0: I love the music space, and I think it's it's like an artist. He may have a hook or may have a beat that he likes, and you sit on it. You don't know what to do with it.
1: I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head-on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, we're going to sit down with Brett Barish, who's the founder and CEO of Sovereign Brands. Brett, welcome to the show. Dave, thank you so much for having me on. Looking forward to this conversation. Hey, it's my pleasure. So I want to start with just a little bit of an overview of Sovereign. Can you talk about you know, what led you to launch the business and what was the first brand you introduced to the market?
0: <laughs> well, 30 years of not just not knowing what I wanted to do and finally making the decision one day 22 years ago. That I wanted to, I always wanted to be in the liquor space. My dad was in the liquor business. I always loved brands. I always wanted to create a brand and uh, finally made the decision to launch the company, which is called Sovereign Brands. And our first brand, I like to think is my most successful brand, even though it doesn't exist today, but it got me to where I am, was a vodka called Three Vodka. And it was truly unique because it was. Ahead of its time, it was distilled from soy.
1: Wow. That's something you don't hear every day.
0: Well, Maxim Magazine said it was the healthiest way to get shit-faced. So you don't hear that either. (laughs) I love it.
1: And today, how many brands do you guys have?
0: The current portfolio is the way we look at is four brands. So Bubbles from France, a rum, a gin, and uh, we just recently launched a, a product competing in the Cognac
1: category. So you know the last year during COVID has been a really weird one for the liquor space. On one hand you had all of your partners in the bars and restaurants closed. The other hand you saw an explosion of, you know, at-home liquor and kind of a, an embrace there. How did you guys think about your marketing strategy to really drive the business over the last year with that change in the in the mix? I'm
0: so proud of the way we handled things and I think I'm learning what company strategy and philosophy and you know what's your ethos and what I'm realizing about our company is we're problem solvers we dig right in we run at issues and that's what it was for us so for us it was don't wait for things to change don't sit back it was Go at it. And I think we did everything right in the sense of we wanted to be there for our accounts. How can we help them? How can we drive traffic to them? How can we get the consumer to do whether it's online orders or curbside pickup or delivery? How do we help them? For the distributors, the same thing. You know, I think we were probably the first ones to start integrating Zoom calls and online calls with our accounts and with our distributors in telling them and showing them our assets. So creating assets for accounts, showcasing, you know, for Instagram and social media, give them the tools because they don't have it, that no one had it. No one, no one was doing social media to drive traffic. And that's what we were doing on an everyday basis. And I think it truly, one, it, it shows we were, we were supportive of the trade and two, it helped our brands.
1: When you look at the sovereign portfolio, I think one of the really unique things is not just the products and how you think about the unique positioning of each product, but the go-to-market strategy with working with big-name talent and the entertainment industry as a whole. What led you to kind of think about bringing in the celebrity side and which of, who have been your partners for the brands? Well,
0: it's interesting. When <laughs> The go-to strategy for us is, is a feel, If you ask me, you know, my rum, Bamboo, we have big plans and we have big aspirations. How do we get there is going to depend on what happens the day we showcase the brand. So with Bamboo as an example, we didn't know if this was going to be on-premise brand, off-premise brand, where's it going to sell. So we kind of let it go. We 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 just release a brand and then we'll figure it out. And it doesn't sound corporate. It's not, but it works for us. It's the same thing when it comes to the relationships we have with, if they're a brand ambassador, celebrity, or DJ, someone in the sports world, it's the same thing. We don't start that way. We're not bringing talent on day one because I don't know what the brand is yet. We learn about people and they share with us their experience with our brand and it's very organic. I wanna be associated with people who love our industry, who love socializing, who love drinking, who are supportive of the brand. I don't want to force a brand on anybody. And you know, if little Wayne drinks champagne, why should he be drinking rum? I don't want to force it. So it's gotta be
1: natural for us. And that that's what's always worked for us. So you mentioned the crossover of the different types of a champagne versus a rum. When you think about marketing your brands, do you market them individually or do you market as a as a family of brands?
0: Both. So they're all individual brands. They all have their own stories to tell, where they're made, how they're produced, what's special about them, the uniqueness. They all have their own audiences. So again, going back to bamboo or rum, it's in 70 countries today. We do more business outside the U.S. than the U.S. Our biggest, biggest single market in the world is Canada, and no one from my company has ever been to Canada yet. But that shows the power of a brand. It's working. Uh, it's word of mouth. The difference today is we're learning that, wow, our brands fit together. They go together. And that, to me, is an asset that we're now using to share our brand story with with a different consumer a sister consumer. So if you love bamboo, you're gonna love McQueen. You gotta try this gin. It's unlike anything else. If you love McQueen, oh, you gotta try our our sparkling from France, Bel Air. This is gonna be amazing. If you love Bel Air, you gotta try Vion. So we're doing something which I think is unique, is and I think most companies can't do, is we're sharing the stories with our sister brands. And we're able to leverage that for more consumers, because at the end of the day, I have a view that especially on the luxury side of brands, they go together, they work together. So that's something new for us.
1: So when you think about the, the history of the, the business over the years, you've had instances that you've sold some of your most successful brands and, you know, to reinvest into the future. What led you to the choice to say an ace of spades that was better outside the portfolio than staying within? It's
0: the hardest decision I've ever made. It's the worst decision I ever made. It was also the best decision. It's like selling a child. I didn't want to do it, but we weren't a company that raised outside money. We It's we've controlled our own kind of destiny and we didn't have the resources. So as an example, Bamboo. Bamboo was a brand that was created, you know, 12, 13 years ago. It just sat on my shelf because I didn't have the capital to launch it. Vion, another brand, same thing. gin, same thing. So for us, it was okay, if we sold this, now we have capital, and now I can do three, four, five, six, and other brands. And that's exactly what happened. So on one hand, I love it to death. I think it's amazing. I support the hell out of it, Ace of Spades. On the other hand, it it, it made us stronger. I can do all these other brands for the first time. So unfortunately or fortunately, it's how
1: we got here. Well, that's a great lesson for other entrepreneurs that think about what's the right strategy and Maybe raising money is the only way they think they can go build their business.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a, you know, I've been, you know, I was at a conference once and the speaking about brand building. And the person who spoke before me was, I think, the founder of, uh, or one of the founders of Casper, uh, the bed company, which was this, I guess, unicorn company. And they just, in one year, they had raised billions of dollars and they're global and all that. I don't know how to do that. I do I have no idea you know, I, I, it's my money. It's, it's, how am I going to spend it? What are my resources? And I just have to keep going. Getting up the ladder was our view, or that's how we've done it. Just
1: kind of, it's a slow roll, but it's worked. Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world, helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. You mentioned there that you were at a conference speaking about branding and also earlier that a lot of your brands, you kind of let to see what the consumer embraced and where mm-hmm. things went. So as you think about each of the brands that you launch, how do you go about that inspiration for what the bottle should look like and where you think it might land, even though you're going to see where it goes with, once a consumer tries it?
0: I think it's so many things. You know, I love the music space and I think it's, it's like an artist. He may have a hook or may have a beat that he likes, and you sit on it. You don't know what to do with it. In this case, we don't have outside agencies. We don't have focus groups. It's gut feeling amongst a couple people. We'll bounce. I, if you were at my office, I'd taste you on a new product or show you a new brand. What do you think? Do you like it? And whether it's you know, a bottle, a design that we came up with that we really like, one day we'll do something with it whether it's a name we like in a category, watch this would be kind of cool if we could do something with this. And then ultimately it's the liquid. My whole thing with my brands is I need to feel that my product is better than the competition that I'm going against out there. My rum has to be better than everyone else's. My gin has to be better than everyone else's. So it's putting all that together. And if my gin is better, if my package is better, if my name is better, if the story is better, I can launch a brand. If I don't have... One of those things, I can't do it. I don't have the confidence that I think I need to be able to share with the consumer of the trade what's happening. But what's neat is it's all gut. It's truly gut. It's a gut feeling of what we like. I hope what I like is what the consumer
1: is going to like. So you mentioned that Bamboo kind of sat on the shelf for 12 years. What was that inspiration that originally sparked when you were looking at that business back in the day? I
0: love rum like everything we do, I start drinking a product. And in this case, I was drinking rum. And that's how it starts. You start experimenting. You start trying other brands. You start seeing what they taste like. To me, rum is the most versatile brown spirit. You can do so much with it. There's so many different profiles. started learning about rum. Where is it produced? How is it produced? I didn't even know at the time that the original rum island of the world where rum was created was... Barbados. Yeah. You know, you see big giant companies like a Bacardi or Captain Morgan brands and you think they were the inspiration for everything. They're not. They started because someone else started. Then the name Bamboo, it came because if if you go back to the 14th century, merchants who traveled the West Indies didn't like the taste of traditional rum. It was grog and they would start adding their own flavors to it and blending it. And that was the original craft. And they referred to that as Bamboo. And we wanted to bring that back to life, that story, that inspiration, that craftiness. And uh, we ended up in Barbados. And in Barbados, you don't have to filter the water. It's a, the island acts as a natural aquifer and water is critical to rum and the f- profile we wanted. So it all kind of works together. And that was bamboo or the X on the bottle. You know, to me, it reminds me of the, the pirate who's searching for the treasure. The big, long cork, if you look at it, it's probably the longest cork in the industry. I wanted something where it felt like you pull it out with your teeth. Every little bit, nook and cranny matters to us because it's storytelling. We want that authenticity with our brands.
1: So when you think about that storytelling and that authenticity, um, your family's been in the, the liquor industry for a long time, for you know, decades, if you will. What do you think's happened with the evolution of the industry, and where's it headed when it comes to that authenticity and that storytelling and connecting with consumers?
0: It's funny. I wish my dad was here to listen to that. I think you like to think things change. I don't think things change. I think you know the big companies are you know my dad ran a big giant company and they didn't have huge budgets. And his whole inspiration was new products, new, new products, keep evolving the industry. And I think that's where I get my ideas, this idea of you know creating new things. I think it's hard to turn that chip, that giant ship in a different direction. I think you know a lot of times, it's not just our industry, it's any industry. You are afraid to make the decision. You need other people to make the decisions. You need other people and other companies to give you the confidence that what you're doing is right. And at the end of the day, it's the little entrepreneur who trusts his instincts that just goes after it. And that that's the part that I like. I want to be the guy who, you know, if the shit hits the fan, it's my fault. If it doesn't work, it's my fault. I want the burden of that. Once I lose that, then I'm nervous. Then it's if consensus is is is, is the process, then I think that's a scary proposition.
1: Then then I'm now part of big corporate side So pull that thread a little bit more you know you talked about your inspiration of your your dad for the business and it think about innovation we hinted at earlier that one of the really innovative ways that sovereign goes to market is with the music industry you know you put your brands at the the center of culture how have you done that with things like clothing collaborations and being featured in museums and all of that we're not a transaction
0: company if something's hot, it scares me. Everything we do is, as I said earlier, is organic. What that means is it's starting a dialogue with somebody. So no matter how big or small, you know, to trap museum in Atlanta, which is this really cool space that's dedicated to the music space or hip hop, someone started a dialogue. They love what we do. We love what they do. Let's go try it. Someone I just saw online, somebody shared with me a baseball cap company called Hood, which makes these dope ass baseball caps. And we like it. They get what we do. We like what they do. And now we're buying hats with from them. It's not a partnership, but they're, they're getting our support because we're putting our names on their hats and we're buying them. But those are the l- little things. Sometimes it can be one big thing that moves the needle. Sometimes it's lots of little things. I can tell you honestly, just The concept of us as a company, music or one artist makes a brand. I can tell you 99 99 other artists who had brands, it didn't work. So, or celebrities or sports people or personalities. To me, it's finding like-minded people who we connect at a level of, we both get something out of this. This works for both of us because we're both inspired by each of our
1: spaces. That works for me. So if you look the year ahead, what are you most excited about for Sovereign?
0: Oh, so many things. I love what we're doing. Our company is growing. We're hiring. I love the fact that we're hiring. Lots of people were let off in the the, the on-premise space of our, our industry. Our new brands, we launched Vion, which is our newest product, which is competing, as I said, in the cognac category. It's Remy and Hennessy, Cavassier which I, I think our product is better. I think our taste is better. I think our profile is better. We just launched a line extension on Bel Air, which is called Bel Air Blue. The industry is in an uproar over it. It's completely different and unique. We just launched a new brand on Bamboo, which is called B- Bamboo Cream. It just got the highest rating in the, of the, the cream-based products from wine enthusiasts. And it's crazy to say, as well as we're doing, I'm, I get more excited about the stuff that doesn't exist yet. We've got three, four, five, six new brands, and new categories, all at the premium level where we firmly believe our product is better. And now I'm excited because I want to share that with our consumers, new consumers who don't even know who we are to our existing consumers who know each of our individual brands.
1: Well, Brett, it's been wonderful hearing the story of what you built with Sovereign and you know nothing better than an entrepreneur that is pushing the industry to make that change that you, uh, you talked about earlier. So thank you for everything you've done.
0: Thanks for having me on and for everybody in, in, in wanting to start a company, trust your gut because that's why you're doing this.
1: Those are true words. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com.